Hello, I'm Mark Sweeney, and as I'm making this recording in mid-October, it means it's got to be time for an Omnigun annual tradition, a new episode of Happy Halloween, Doctor 13. This is the third such episode, so I think that an annual tradition makes. Uh, and on these, I dip back and take a look at an adventure, or adventures, of DC Comics' own oblivious objector, the physician of phenomenology, the surgeon of skepticism, Dr. Terence Thirteen, the Ghostbreaker. As an intensely skeptical person myself, I've always been drawn to this perennial guest star slash backup feature, despite the fact that for much of his publishing history, he's come off at best a shrill raving loon, at worst a blamed fool with the way he stubbornly refuses to acknowledge the supernatural nature of all manner of phenomena occurring on a daily basis in the DC universe, usually in confrontation with the Phantom Stranger. But this hasn't always been the case, when Dr. Thirteen stars in one of uh, a healthy number of solo features peppered throughout the mostly the 1970s, 1980s, he can come across as a competent investigator of the paranormal, debunking all manner of supposed ghostly creatures, apparent supernatural situations. I'd argue he had his greatest successes in his earliest string of appearances, dating back to the early 50s, as the lead feature in the final issues of Star Spangled Comics, where Dr. Thirteen was more like well, imagine if Bruce Wayne ran Mystery Incorporated, but he fired the dog, the stoner, the Fred, the Daphne, the Velma, and took on some part-time help from a beautiful fiancé. That's kind of what Terrence 13's earliest adventures are like, and it's one of those that I'd like to recap and comment on for you here. It's a story in issue number 129 of Star Spangled Comics, cover dated June 1952, comic where Dr. Thirteen shares a page count with Robin the Boy Wonder, Captain Compass, and frontier hero slash patriot and revolutionary Tomahawk. The cover feature is the Dr. Thirteen thriller The Human Orchids. You get a little preview on said cover, illustrated by story artist Leonard Starr, which depicts a man, big mop of hair, slicked back, and healthy-looking moustache. A look and expression that for some reason comes across uh, slightly sinister, saying, Grow, my beauties, you are blossoming into the rarest flowers on earth, as he waters three huge wooden flower pots out of which grow the story's title mysteries, giant orchids whose petals open to reveal green-skinned-slash-green-haired human torsos, two women and one man. The story opens with, a, with an amusing caption box. Kind of odd, it reads, He is a puny mortal, but he dared to tamper with forces beyond the realm of mere man. And finishes with, Walk the unknown with Mr. Thirteen as he shivers through his experience when he faces the human orchids. I'm hoping the puny mortal comment is in reference to the villain of the piece, as, though a true statement, it would be a strange way to refer to the hero. And Terrence is also here called Mr. Thirteen, which, if I were he, I'd 
I'd have some objections. Dr. Thirteen hasn't spent 65 years debunking the supernatural only to be called Mr. And anyway, we open with Dr. Thirteen invited to accompany a friend, Wendell Drew, to a very exclusive auction at the private home and conservatory of a mysterious horticulturist, Signor Garitza. Mr. Drew explains to Terry, invited along because of his interest in the strange, about Garitza's experiments creating exotic and dangerous-sounding species of plants, such as the octopus cactus, which can devour a full-sized cow, and the nightcrawler, a plant that produces super-strong vines 100 yards long. Mr. Drew is an avid collector of exotic plants, and so has been invited, along with a couple of other enthusiasts, to bid on a single seedling of Garitza's latest creation, the human orchid. Mr. Drew's sealed bid of $50,000 was enough to secure the lone seedling. But upon leaving the Garitza home, Dr. Thirteen confesses to his friend he thinks he's been swindled. He's skeptical about this strange human-plant hybrid, but Drew insists that prior to the auction, Garitza had allowed a, a glimpse of a full-grown specimen to each of the bidders. Drew is so confident in his purchase, he invites Terry to his own home to spend the night. And in the morning, they'll plant the seedling. That night at the Drew Mansion, Dr. Thirteen is plagued by strange dreams involving giant flowers with human faces trying to capture him. But these dreams are interrupted in the middle of the night by Drew with a startling announcement. His greenhouse has been broken into. Rushing down, they find no sign of the intruder apart from point of entry, and Drew is relieved to find that the human orchid seedling is safe. The thief took the wrong plant. The following morning, Drew installs a special glass room within the greenhouse, equipped with ultraviolet lights and other devices, which he hopes will accelerate the growth of the human orchid seedling. And furthermore, as a completely sealed structure, should keep thieves out. This installation is happening under the watchful eye of Dr. Thirteen, who looks here a lot like metal man genius Will Magnus with his orange sport coat and very sophisticated-looking pipe. All this drama over a little plant has piqued Terry's interest, and he pledges to visit every day to monitor the orchid's growth. On the eighth day, Thirteen shows up to the Drew mansion with his fiancée Marie, and is greeted by Drew, whose expression Terry calls a mixture of elation and fear. The orchid has bloomed. Mr. Drew escorts Dr. Thirteen and Marie into the greenhouse where they see emerged from the huge pot encased in its sealed glass structure. Green skin, green haired, and bearded man with giant orchid blooms around his waist and arms. Those arms spread wide like an actor pretending to be a tree. The sight is too much for Marie and she faints. After 13, lays Marie on the couch in the, the house's living room. 
He returns with Drew to the greenhouse, still having trouble believing what he's seen. He pledges to find some explanation for this phenomenon. At the greenhouse, however, the pair find the inner glass structure shattered and the human orchid missing. Now fully invested in this mystery, Terry thinks to to find more information at the plant's source, the nursery of Senor Garitza. Scoping the place out at night, Terry peers through a window, only to see a completely bizarre scene, a nurse tending trays of young orchids, all making audible crying noises. Terry is so fascinated by what he's seeing, he's caught completely unaware by Senor Garitza himself who offers, in a mildly threatening way, to take him on a tour of the facility. They pass through the room with the nurse, where Garitza explains the flowers will grow into men and women, and on into the next room with a a few full-grown specimens, two silent, green-skinned, green-haired lady flowers, one to which Terry stammers out a a greeting, but also a familiar green-bearded male, Terry immediately recognizes this as the human orchid who grew in Mr. Drew's greenhouse, and at first accuses Garitza of stealing it back, but then comes to his senses and cries shenanigans, giving the giant flower a shove, revealing it to be the normal man heavily made up in green paint that he was. In fact, tumbling out of this flower pot with his purple pants, this human orchid resembles a a slight, incredible hulk in in desperate need of a sandwich. Garitza's plan to swindle flower nerds out of thousands of dollars exposed, he immediately leaps on Dr. Thirteen with a sharp garden trowel, telling him his discovery means he can never leave this place alive. But just then, a couple of Garitza's genuine mutant superplants leap into action. The aforementioned Nightcrawler, whose long tendrils grab a hold of 13, and then the equally aforementioned octopus cactus, which could eat a cow and resembles Little Shop of Horrors Audrey too, only with a mouthful of two-foot-long fangs, sneaks up behind Garitza and 13 shouts, Look out! But it's too late. The cactus gobbles up its creator in silhouette as Dr. Thirteen looks on, freed from the Nightcrawler's grasp by the now eloquent human orchids, saying that they were willing to go along with the great swindle, but murder, that's a different matter. Back at Mr. Drew's place, Thirteen breaks it all down for Drew and the now-recovered Marie. The crying seedlings, and I guess the murderous vines and cactus, were the only real elements to this caper. Garitza used sound amplifiers to augment the natural sound that these orchids make as they grow. Okay, let's go with that. How about the human orchid that grew in Drew's glass greenhouse? Well, Terence explains, the initial break-in the night of Drew's big purchase was a ruse. It wasn't at all about taking anything. It was a way for Garitza's accomplice, painted head-to-toe in green, get in and hide, waiting to slip into the giant petals of the orchid, waiting to make his sensational debut, and then to bolt at the earliest opportunity, breaking out to simulate a break-in, Mr. Drew, now 50k poorer. I have a few problems with this plan that I'll address momentarily, but 
just to finish out the recap, Marie is next seen admiring a beautiful orchid bloom, a gift from Mr. Drew. She compares the blooms to tiny faces, asking Terry if he sees the same thing, but Terry ain't having it, saying he's seen enough orchids lately and can she just wear some gardenias, huh, please? So this uncollected eight-pager, I find it very entertaining, despite some Audrey two-sized plot holes. You're telling me that this guy paints himself green, breaks into a greenhouse, and waits undetected as a smaller glass greenhouse inside the first greenhouse is constructed around him? I'm sure Mr. Drew had accounted for some irrigation system for water for the poor guy, but... And Drew did claim there was a special filter at the top to let in air, but the orchid bloomed in eight days, and this guy didn't eat? Maybe he snuck in a baggie of Cheez-Its or something? And honestly, this whole plan, I know $50,000 stretched out a bit more in 1952 than it does in 2017, but for this Senor Garitza to hire a fake nurse to check on some baby orchids, the Three human orchids themselves, the gallon of green paint, these... Seems awful elaborate for a measly 50k. Especially for a guy who had obviously already successfully bred some startling botanical discoveries. Sell tickets to see the freaking killer plant. Nah, I kid. For for this story, these plot holes can be explained in one word. Comics. Uh, This was a fun story, and with its... Human orchids, I can't help but uh, be reminded of the Doctor 13 story I covered last year, The Ghost on the Glasses, which happened to be the backup to the very first Black Orchid story. So, no, Terry, you're never going to escape from orchids. Can't credit the author in this early story, as I can't find a reference to one, uh, but the illustration is really great. Leonard Starr's stuff stands out to me as really well-drawn compared to other cruder Golden Age stuff, even in this very issue. Uh, Though Fred Ray's tomahawk takes a backseat to no one in my book. I'd say Leonard Starr is right up there with the greats of the Silver Age. The magnificence of a blooming human orchid and the gruesome mauling of Signor Garitza are delineated with equal care and elegance. And the story, as I said, is as yet uncollected, so I'll be sure to throw a, a few of these images up on this show's blog, I'm the gun.blogspot.com, and I think that will conclude this Halloween episode. Uh, a list of very cool people includes Chris from Bat Books for Beginners, Chris Sheen of the blog Chris is on Infinite Earths, Comics in the Golden Age, who wrote on Twitter about my previous Blackhawk episode. Great episode on Blackhawk. Comic fans should check it out. Cryptic Kid. Darren and Ruth Sutherland of such awesome podcasts as Trekker Talk, Warlord Worlds, and Xenozoic Xenophiles. Dr. Ange, who, like me, to now, hasn't had any experience with the brief superhero era of the Blackhawks. Glenn Walker. Greg Arugio. Jack at Wake Up Angry, Joe Crawford of the Tumblr for the Non-Discerning Reader, Justice's First Dawn, Kirk Spencer, Craig Peterson, Laurel Mountainflower, 
who uh, enjoyed the history lesson and entertaining commentary throughout the Blackhawks story summary. And let me know that a, a version of the Blackhawks team has popped up in DC Metal. Thank you, Laurel. Martin Gray. Paul Hicks of Waiting for Doom podcast. He said, great episode. I'm not one for old comics generally, but this sounds amazing. It is. Ross Michaud. And Shannon Stamey. Uh, next time out, I'll be talking backups. More specifically, a three-part backup running through a trio of star-spangled war stories issues featuring a couple of my favorite DC war heroes. This is something I've actually already covered in blog form, but I've been wanting to record the audio version for some time. And that time has come. All right. Thank you for listening. And happy Halloween. Halloween.